welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is eight minutes after the hour, and it's time for another round of Carry On Guns. Get it? And another round? If <laughs> you have to explain it. You know, Brian is uh, as the... Uh, oh, I just finally got it. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk to Jordan and Kelsey instead. Jordan and Kelsey on board, and uh, of course, they are from Powderhorn Guns and Archery. I deserve a pat on the back. I said it right this time. Uh, good morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you guys doing? It's a beautiful 40-degree morning, finally making me think about hunting a little bit. It's a, it is a little crisp, isn't it? Wow. <laughs> it is. I'm okay with it. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See? This is when the bugs die. As they should. Oh, oh, this is when the bugs die. You could be doing a commercial for some exterminating service. Right? Just wait till fall. Call Steve's Pest Control. That's when bugs die. <laughs> I can hear it now. All right, listen. You brought in some terrific firearms, including a, a SIG that, that I can't wait to talk about. We'll do that about an hour from now. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, uh, we've had uh, several shootings recently in the last few weeks. Uh, the Columbia Police Department says that uh, they're putting out extra police officers to patrol downtown on busy weekends. Most of this stuff is happening at night when those of us with any <laughs> common sense are home and in bed. Uh, but it is, uh, you know, this, and I don't want to, I don't want to drag Bucci's name into this thing because uh, it just happened to be a little bit, of, you know, it, near there. But they are the, they're the, the kind of. Uh, Goalpost. It's it's like, how do I identify exactly where this happened? It was near there, it wasn't there, and it wasn't them. It had nothing to do with them. It's just that it was near there, and the police have their hands full. Um, and there's a, a subsequent story about homicide in this country. The Centers for Disease Control, National Center for Health Statistics, say that homicide rates are up thirty percent, and that it is a record. Uh, it surpasses the previous highest increase of 20%, which came between 2000 and 2001, uh, which was the year the Islamic terrorist attack, uh, you know, September 11th happened. So um, you can see where the demand is coming from. People are concerned. And there's no correlation. It's not like people are going to Powderhorn and buying guns and going out and shooting people on the street. That's not happening. Um but it is driving demand. And so one of the first questions I always ask, and Jordan loves it when I go here, and he knows where I'm headed right now. He's probably, he's probably thinking to himself, oh, no, not, not, not again, Gary. <laughs> Ammo availability. Uh, about, about the same. Uh, a little bit more. We keep getting the, I would say, the, the four big ones. So you're getting the 9mm, the three oh eight, the two two three, and the seven six two. We're getting... That stuff is starting to come in more and more and more reliably. The other stuff is still just kind of, man, happenstance trig uh, uh, trickling in. So your your shotgun ammo, we get a little bit of it, but you know, not not enough. And now is the time. Yeah. Boy, this is when you want that shotgun ammo. Yeah, you got all your your upland stuff, and you got your your dove seasons and all that. So that's that's rough. And but we're we're trying. And then the deer stuff, you know, we're only three. Uh, three or four weeks out from deer season right now, and uh, we have not seen a huge uptake of uh, of any of the deer calibers coming in the two seventies, the thirty out sixes, any of that. So if you got a three oh eight, you might have some luck. Uh, we have we have less hunting three oh eight rounds than we do just uh, full metal jacket three oh eight rounds, 
but uh, man, some of those other two forty threes and two seventies, it's you know if we get ten boxes a month, we're doing something really really well. So that that stuff's still pretty hard. Kelsey, do they depending on the season rotate? Uh, so for instance, we're coming up on hunting season, so. Uh, ammo manufacturers start cranking out the shotgun and, and uh, you know. Yeah, they have a normal production schedule. So the last two years they haven't because um, normally yeah. we would see the big influx of, you know, your soft point ballistic tip hunting rounds in uh, July or August is typically when we would see that hit the market um, because most of your hunting seasons start. You know, we see Western season start as early as late August and then into September and October, um, whereas most of your rifle deer seasons start, depending on the state, October, November, somewhere in there. Um, but, yeah, normally this stuff's already out in full force. How, i got two questions here. I'm going to start off with the, uh, the, uh, the easy one. It relates directly. Uh, 22, uh, I've got a, a conversion kit for one of my ARs, and we run 22 through it all the time. It's just so much less expensive. How are we doing on the availability of that? We've got quite a bit right now. Um, not variety, but I have quantity. Um, it's a CCI load called the Velocitor. It's a 40-grain hollow point running something like 1,400 feet per second. So it's pretty good for running the semi-automatic stuff, um, and it's a great little squirrel round. Okay. Uh, the next one deals, since we're talking about hunting, with archery, because uh, that's uh, another forte uh, for you guys at Powderhorn. And how does how does the archery hunting season line up with, you know, uh, shotguns and, and rifles that were, is it, it, we get a little bit earlier into yes. the season? So archery season runs the same time frame every single year. Um, it starts on September 15th. The first portion of it ends the day before rifle season. It technically closes during rifle season and then opens back up the day after and runs until January 15th. Interesting. So, if, And if people are going to go out hunting or need to get their uh, bow restrung, Powderhorn's the place to go. Yep. I actually was, I was watching Jay Leno's Garage. Did either one of you ever watch that? It's been like 10 years since I've even had cable. But I've, I've seen some snippets on, uh, on the YouTube well, on the, on the YouTube, did you get that, Kelsey? On the internet, on the YouTube, <laughs> on old. the interwebs. <laughs> uh, so anyway, he uh, he had uh, Clint Eastwood's son on, uh, and he apparently uh, is pretty good with a bow. And he had one of those compound bows. I don't know. It had uh, all kinds of wheels on it and uh, cables that would probably, if it was unstrung, would have been fifteen feet long because it seemed to wind itself back and forth. Um, and he, you know, shot a few shots, and, and it looked pretty, uh, pretty accurate. I don't have an idea what the distance was. It was TV. About ten feet. <laughs> yeah, well, at ten feet, I believe I can do that. <laughs> Although those modern bows, man, I mean, they are. Oh, gosh, the average shooter at fifty yards is is fine and comfortable uh, for the average male shooter that's pulling 60 pounds at 28 inches. Uh, females are somewhere in that 45, so they're almost the same. And, uh, I mean, they're, 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 they're amazing. And then when you start getting elk hunting, you get a little bit better. Taking 70 and 80-yard shots with the modern compound bows is not, not a problem for most people. What kind of velocity are they getting out of that? Because that thing looked like, uh, like it was ready to launch. It, it could have been William Shatner to have been on the tip of that thing. They could have shot him into space. Uh, a day sooner. <laughs> the, uh, Some companies like to think that. Um. <laughs> they, most of them are in that two actual speed of it leaving for a uh, 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 
pulling 60 pounds would be between 280 and the fastest ones with an actual arrow and stuff on it, 310 uh, feet per second. So uh, wow. pr- pretty pretty good for, for what it is. That's pretty amazing. And and how much noise? I mean, if I fire my rifle, uh, whatever I drop, I drop. The Everybody else is scattering. Uh, is there a difference with the arrow? Is it quiet? Not with arrow. I mean, it's, it is a lot quieter, obviously. Um, yeah, it is a lot quieter. So, But uh, it's uh, it's one of those things, if you've been downrange of someone shooting, um, it's usually, you, you hear the arrow whistling at you, uh, but you don't usually hear anything on the bow going off. Crossbow a little bit louder because um, it's more compact, has more energy, but uh, but a regular bow is, is amazingly quiet. All right, so if you're going to go hunting uh, or if you're doing it for sport or contest, uh, Powderhorn's the place to go. Can't go wrong with that. Homicides are way up in Biden's America. Um, there's a story at PJ Media. We'll kind of kick that around a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about the firearms you guys brought here in studio. And we've got a, a story about a kid that used a gun to shoot somebody that was, well, running away. Uh, I'll explain. Gary on Guns, Hot Talk, 93.9 Eagle. 21 minutes after the hour, Powderhorn Guns and Archery on board with us this morning. Uh, and uh, that, of course, uh, would mean uh, that uh, Kelsey and Jordan are with us. And uh, the CDC just reported that we have a 30% hike in uh, homicide. It's, it's a modern record. Uh, this surpasses uh, the previous increase of 20%, which came between 2000 and 2001 when the uh, uh, September 11 uh, terrorist attack hit. Uh, this is from PJ Media. They naturally lean a little bit to the right, but they say, why wouldn't we blame the left for all this violence? After all, the highest homicide rate increase since modern data collection uh, began... Uh, since it began, happened between 2019 and 2021 when leftist Antifa and Black Lives Matter thugs were burning down our cities while demanding the defunding of police departments. This made our cities more dangerous by the day. The left's relentless and abusive attack on our police officers in the name of social justice have left police departments across the country struggling to not only keep the officers they have, but to attract new recruits. Um... And, you know, all of this does make sense. Police morale is down uh, here in Columbia where there, you know, there are nowhere near as many police officers on the street as we should have. Uh, I don't know that the left actually did this on purpose. I think that's PJ's spin. But I do believe it's out of their ignorance that we're in the position we're in. Uh, and, uh, you know, if violent crime... Meanwhile, violent crime is up. They say it isn't ex- all exactly what the left wanted. No, I I just think it's ignorance. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's hard to believe that anybody would uh, would want the yeah. the outcome. I mean, you should see it. I mean, I think on day one of everything happening, most uh, most uh, of the eighty uh, percent of America that just tries to live their lives every day and not get involved so much in politics and everything else were just like, well, this is probably headed towards a bad spot. But uh, I can't foresee intent of doing that. Yeah, you never know. But I just, I just can't foresee it. Yeah, I think it's one of those unintended consequences uh, of behavior uh, from, I would argue, from the left that created the perfect storm. That, along with the lack of people work. <clears throat> excuse me, the lack of people working. I mean, you just, you've, yeah, you've created that storm of of good people going away, 
uh, good people staying away and then good people finding other things to do because they're like, I'm not going to get in the middle of all that that's going on right now. I'll find something else to do. I got a story here um, that I want to run by you guys, and it is an 11-year-old kid in in Alabama. I almost, I almost, I moved him a couple of states to Georgia, but he didn't like it. He moved back. Um, he, he is from Alabama. He's 11 years old, and uh, somebody came into the house while he was in the house. Uh, he he, I think screwed up a little bit, but um, it's 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 interesting. I'll just play this for you. I told him I was going to kill him all that with a gun if he didn't get out of my house. 11-year-old Chris Gaither was home alone Wednesday morning when he heard a noise. Someone had broken into his house. Scared, Chris grabbed a 9mm handgun. When he's come downstairs and told me he's going to kill me and F you all that. The intruder made it out the front door with a hamper in hand. That's when Chris started firing off bullets. As the intruder was to jump this fence, Chris's 12th and final shot hit the bad guy in the leg. I shot through a hamper that he was carrying, and it, went, it was a full metal jacket bullet. I went straight through the bag of him and his leg. And he started crying like a little baby. A baby <laughs> that learned his lesson. When I pulled the gun out on him, I guess he didn't think it was a real gun because he, he didn't worry about it. He just kept on walking. The police have not released the name of the suspect, but Chris's mother says this man has robbed their house before. They don't know him personally. Chris credits his stepdad for his shooting skills. Yeah, play zombies for target practice. Turns out there's more than a basset hound on guard. I hope you learn your lesson from coming to this house trying to steal stuff. Hey. <laughs> well, first thing was bullets. <laughs> I don't know if you guys right. caught everything after bullets. that. I kind of blanked on, but <laughs> bullets. Uh, here's the problem that I that I have. Uh, this guy was running away, and by the way, he he stole a hamper. I, I I'm assuming he wasn't you know burgling the house for dirty clothes. Uh, so I'm I guess he must have put something in there that was of value. Uh, but when you're running, when when the bad guy is running away, uh, only under a couple of circumstances should you shoot. Now this kid is clearly at 11 years old, not going to be held one, responsible. Go, well, what? Why was I just have questions before the whole <laughs> shooting him while running away thing? Why was an 11 year old at home alone on a Wednesday morning when uh, if it's they, some... they've normally had issues with obviously this guy breaking into their house before? Well, he's got a gun. He's got questions. a gun, Kelsey. He knows how to use oh it. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Is is right? Well, you know what, Junior? You you know how to shoot. We're going to leave you alone now. Where did the other eleven bullets go? <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, if I if I may, when the bad guy is running away, uh, there are only a couple of circumstances that uh, that you can shoot at him. Uh, and uh, if anybody would know this, it would be Jordan. He knows the rules. He was in law enforcement. Uh, under what circumstances can I shoot at a guy that's got his back to me and, you know? Yeah. So um, it comes down a lot to report writing, but uh, your your belief has to be a couple things. Just because they're going away from you doesn't mean they're not just running back to some cover or some concealment somewhere. But uh, you have to fully believe that there's an immediate threat still to yourself or the community. Um, or to somebody else from that person. And, you know, 
this this is probably not a good example of that. But if we'd exchanged some rounds and or this guy had come in and, and he'd robbed me and maybe hit me in the head a couple times. And so this is a guy I, I now fully believe will rob other people, will beat them with whatever, maybe pull a gun on them, pull a knife, whatever happened, whatever happened. If I can articulate that that was, man, this is going to happen again. Uh, I've got I've got to stop this guy or if we've already exchanged rounds. But when they're moving away from you, it becomes a, a lot harder to win the uh, poll of public opinion and you know, jury of your peers, that's really all you're doing anyway. The the, the laws have a little bit to do with it, but uh, when you ask for a jury trial, so much of it just comes from public opinion. Well, law enforcement, you have a little bit more leeway than the average citizen does. You, uh, yeah. you can make a, a judgment, a, a decision that he's going to go on and create more havoc yep. uh, than I can if, if and I'm assuming that yes. I'm talking about somebody who's in, actually in, uh, actively in law enforcement. But if I if he's shooting back at me, you know, throwing his arm back and shooting at me randomly, I have a, a right to shoot at him. Uh, if I think he's going to jump behind a brick wall for cover and start shooting at me, uh, I believe I'm in danger. I can shoot at him. Yep. Uh, but if he's just running away with a hamper full of dirty clothes... <laughs> and um, that's why you don't leave an 11-year-old with a firearm. <laughs> Even if they have this beautiful shooting skills, man, that has very little to do with... Uh, when you get into an actual shooting situation, uh, your shooting skills are, I mean, it's, it's great that you can shoot better, but so much of it's just your mental preparedness and making the right decisions as you go. And <laughs> most, most 11-year-olds can't, uh, can't make those decisions. But he did get a hit on a, a moving target. He did. Uh, One out of 12. Yeah, well, no one's perfect. <laughs> no, I, you know, can you imagine the adrenaline, though? Oh, God. Uh, now, there's a way to sort of prepare yourself um, and it, it really is a lot of concentrating, a lot of mental uh, preparing for an event like this uh, in the event it happens in your home. Um, and there are some things that you can do physically to sort of in, uh, inure yourself. In, and uh, I've got a friend of mine that uh, has a moving device that you would have to shoot at. I think he called it the rat. Uh, it was Tim Oliver who came up with this thing. And it would move forward and back. It had a shoot and don't shoot side. Uh, it could chase you and it could move with alacrity. That sort of thing. Um, Jordan, does that, you know, well, you just hang on because when we come back, I want to find out if Jordan thinks that sort of practice helps when the bad guy comes. You're listening to Gary on Guns Hot Talk, 93.9 The Eagle. Hey, welcome. It's 35 minutes after the hour and Powderhorn Guns and Archery on board with us uh, this morning. Uh, and, and so uh, Kelsey and Jordan are here, and we were talking about uh, this kid, 11 years old, uh, essentially emptied out his, uh, a, a 9 millimeter shooting the bad guy. Uh, only one shot hit him. Uh, part of that, I suspect, is, you know, it's harder to hit a moving target. We don't usually practice hitting moving targets. Uh, the other thing is that adrenaline starts to flow, and there are things you can do mentally uh to sort of steady yourself, even uh, breathing exercises. But what about practicing under pressure? Um, Jordan, you were in law enforcement. Did they did they give you any, you know, pressure tests, um, make you shoot and decide good guy, bad guy, uh, get your adrenaline flowing to to get you used to that kind of pressure? Y yes, the the the. The better places uh, always did. We did it through the academy, even though we weren't required to. When I was teaching at the academy, we weren't required to do it. Uh, but we had what we called the combat range days. And it's hard to get um, 
those sympathetic um, responses from your body. So the, the the easiest one is physical exertion, right? You make them run, you make them sprint for a minute, then we immediately go into some shooting drills because your heart rate is really what controls everything. Get that heart rate up over 140, 150, sometimes even 160. You start to lose your fine motor abilities and you start to see how your response to that happens when you're shaking, you can't do things. Um, heck, I, some places did more... Um, uh, one of the places I went to actually uh, withdrew blood from you. So before we went on the range, really? They, yeah, they they, were, <laughs> they removed quite a bit. Um, they had nurses come and do it, and they they removed. I don't remember how much it was. I want to say it was four to five vials, and they did it very 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 quickly so that you could have a blood loss simulation and uh, push your body to have its response. And then you had to to make rounds on the range. And this say that place didn't last very long, uh, but uh, it, was, it was it was an interesting <laughs> it was an interesting try. You understood what they were trying to prepare you for, but. Uh, did they at least give you the blood back? And- <laughs> no, 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 no. You just you, you felt you felt through it, and then you. you it, but it did prepare you for a feeling. I mean, you, you, now you've done it, and that's really what you're doing. What you're doing with training and everything is trying to repeatedly feel something. Uh, you know, academy. Whether it was the first time we hit everybody in the head uh, during defensive tactics, you know, just punch punch them in the face. You need to see how you're going to respond to that. And after the first few times, you start to learn how you're going to respond. That everything will be okay, um, and it it makes you better at what you do. I mean, it's a you know, it's true for anything that we do uh, repeatedly over and over. But sh- shooting a moving target is. Eh, it's kind of difficult uh, for a static move. You know, a, a target that's moving on a range, hard to make it go up and down, move sp- uh, sporadically. But more people have problems when they are moving and shooting. That is, that is more more difficult. So you as the shooter are moving towards, away from, side, parallel, whatever. Uh, it, it is really hard to keep your uh, keep your sights on what you need, make a good trigger press, and that that's where really we focused a lot of training. I don't know about you, Kelsey, but if they're going to draw that kind of blood out of me, I want to sit down and have a couple of cookies. <laughs> it's, it's a good theory. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, was, I was young. I was young, and it was like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's try that. Did they at least donate the, the blood? I mean, did, they, did somebody from the Red Cross do I, this? I will tell you, after that occurred, there wasn't much care about what happened to that blood. It was <laughs> it was way more on, wow, that is, I mean, you got, you got lightheaded, you got that... Uh, Oh, you know, that blood pressure drop feeling, that, that kind of, yeah, like uh, right after you uh, vomit or anything else where you get kind of that uh, that drop and then you're cold, you get a little bit of sweat, uh, but you're you're having to pull out your firearm and make decisions on shoot, not shoot, and make those shots on the range. And so it was, it was interesting. I wouldn't probably ever do it again or recommend anybody, but, you know, I was young and dumb, and it was like, oh, that sounds cool, let's try it. Uh, but it was uh, it was quite the thing. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet it was. What about what about things like three gun shoots? Do they help if you're you get into a match uh, like that? You know, I don't know. I when I did those, not really because they became focused mainly on the competition. Even when it's IPSC and things like that, it's still those were not really similar to what most of the law enforcement trainers uh, did. You, you had to change things, especially when you talk about law enforcement. Now, maybe as a civilian, uh, you don't have as many rules and as many things you have to think about. Um, but uh, as, as a law enforcement officer, we still you had to make a few more decisions and had to take a little more time. And you had to think about other things for, for the ones that I saw. But anytime you're you're practicing weapon handling skills, that's that's fantastic. As long as you realize that's what you're practicing is weapon handling skills. And, and uh, then you have to get into making them. Uh, decisions on what you're going to do with that firearm and especially de-escalating once you once you have that firearm out and then it's no longer a time to use a firearm that's the, that's the hardest decisions if you just turn the radio on uh, kelsey is on board with us so is jordan from powderhorn guns and archery 
Uh, let's go grab a phone call here because somebody wants to talk about our 11-year-old shooter, uh, and that would be Steve. Steve, welcome. How are you? I am well this morning. Hey, I just uh, kind of want to weigh in on a different side where this week the, the first reaction from your guests was, why is an 11-year-old at home by himself? Uh, homeschool, illness, a lot of different reasons. And, uh, Gary, I'm closer to your age. and uh, You're I, almost 40? I at home. Huh? You're yeah. almost 40? <laughs> <laughs> Second time around. <laughs> you, me, and Jack Benny. Uh, well, Yeah, and uh, also uh, with uh, Kelsey's comment or concern last week, last time she was on the show, being worried about selling firearms or at least pistols to 18-year-olds. Um, she sounds like a younger individual, and I just wonder why she's coming from that viewpoint rather than the viewpoint as, uh, you know, why wasn't this young man better trained? Well, let me, let me just say in Kelsey's defense, what she said was recognizing that the house had been burgled several times before why would you leave the kid home alone? I did catch that. I did catch that. So, I mean, that it under even uh, even I would think, you know, it, the house is vulnerable. Uh, I want to get my kid out of harm's way. So I, I, I can understand that. Uh, Kelsey, do you want to respond? It <clears throat> So obviously I stayed home plenty when I was younger also. Um, you have to think we live in a very different time now. Like you said, the homicide rates are 30 percent up. Maybe not the best idea to leave your child at home alone with a firearm if they don't know how to use it properly. Um, my parents always told me to run, leave the house, go to the neighbor, hide, do what you need to do. I did know where the firearms were. I did know how to use them, but it was not the first step. I agree that, with that. Uh, and what was your, your concern also was a comment about 18-year-olds. I think what she said last time she was on, uh, and either one of you can correct me, uh, she, I think, suggested she knew 18-year-olds who were mature enough, and she knew 30-year-olds that weren't. Absolutely. And I think that's... Are we going to ban? Are we going to start having tests like New York? No, it's individual. It's up to the individual. And that's, you know, we always say that um, not everybody needs to carry a firearm. Not everybody needs to use one for self-defense. Not everybody's comfortable doing it. It's the individual's responsibility. All right. Steve, thank you for the call. I agree. All righty. Take care. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Um, all right. So in New York, apparently, they're bringing back something that uh, apparently they did before. I know what they've done in New York uh, State, and I'll, I'll, I'll briefly do a recap on that in the next segment, and then uh, we'll kind of kick it around with uh, Kelsey and Jordan from Potterhorn Guns and Archery. We'll do that next on the Gary Nolan Show. And then at the top of the hour, we're going to talk about some firearms they brought in the studio that are just amazing, especially the SIG. Oh, my God, I'm drooling on it. Just move it out of my way. 49 minutes after the hour, Kelsey and Jordan on board. Uh, they are with Powderhorn Guns and Archery. Uh, we're going to talk about some firearms they brought, one of them in particular I'm drooling over. It is a SIG. I will, well, we'll talk about those in about... 10 or 15 minutes. Any, anyway, uh, I, I, I lived in New York, uh, and when I went up there, of course, coming from Missouri, I had several firearms, and um, what they wanted me to do was give my firearms to law enforcement, let them fire around, keep a shell 
somewhere in stock uh, so that if the gun is ever used in a crime and they can pick up a, a shell casing off the off the ground, they could, you know, go through some database and see if it matches up and hopefully identify that it was my rifle or my handgun. Uh, I don't know that they've solved any crimes doing that. Uh, I didn't, by the way, do that. Uh, I just brought my guns in, into the state and didn't let anybody know. I think the statute of limitations is up on that, so I'm, I'm safe. Uh, in any case, now uh, in New York, they're looking at doing what they did in California. And that is uh, to make people get a background check to buy ammunition. Uh, New York Democrats are looking at background checks for ammo. Uh, and and I've got a, a piece of, I've got some audio here that I'm going to play a little later on. It is uh, from uh, Robert Francis, a.k.a. Beto O'Rourke, uh, talking about, uh, among other things, uh, background checks. But those background checks, Kelsey, it, it, you know, while thousands of people are delayed, only a handful every year are ever prosecuted because they're incredibly fallible yeah and it my god the work on the dealers part that i feel so bad for those guys trying to sell stuff out there because it's it adds a lot of time to your day whereas you could just you know take money hand them box of ammo move on with life um but yeah we get i mean of the denials that we get um which is a handful a year. I mean, one a month is a lot. And to actually see them go through and follow through with something or occasionally they'll contact us and say, hey, what's the address on the form? What's the phone number? This kind of stuff. Um, that's very rare. Very rare. Yeah, they almost never prosecute. I mean, literally, it's a handful right. of people in the entire country uh, that you know, get prosecuted because they really and truly are not supposed to be buying firearms. Well, I think this happened several years ago, like 10 years ago or something like that. We had a guy in Columbia that was trying to buy firearms and he went to three or four dealers and obviously got denied at each one. And they sent him a letter saying, please stop. Just <laughs> <laughs> Please stop trying please. to buy guns. You're just going to keep getting denied. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, there, that, if that doesn't put the brakes on it. Boy, I'm telling you, that was yeah. harsh. Yeah. He felt um, that sting. It was first-class mail, though. It was serious. Mm. Likely well, a certified letter. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't go buy them from a friend of his or a drug dealer or steal them. That's usually the next step. That's, that's <laughs> illegal. Because, that's illegal. Right. Well, that oh, all, all right. All right. So I didn't realize that would stop it. <laughs> so well, anyway, that's what they're, that's what they're trying to do in New York. If I were still in New York and I wanted to buy ammunition, I wouldn't even go through that. I'd take a trip into Pennsylvania and just buy whatever I needed. I just, you know, I guess I'm I'm just, I hate being pushed around. Yeah, that's that's pretty rough. I can't imagine if it's the same system. I, I would assume it's a different background check system. I can't imagine the federal government would allow it. I mean, they're pretty they're, they're pretty much overworked on the system, just barely hanging on for gun purchases right now. But still, that's a that's a whole lot to do. That pushes you towards registration of everything and having cards like. Uh, you know, some certain states have uh, cards for you to buy guns. Um, that's kind of seems like where you're going. So you the get, FOID card like Illinois? Yeah, I try yeah. to get pre-qual. And we see how that's cut down crime in Chicago. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, I would feel safe. Pretty much eliminated it, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know what you do is uh, you do what Jussie Smollett did, and you get one of those sandwiches from Subway. What kind of sandwich would I use, Brian? 
Uh, that would be a club sandwich, Gary. Club sandwich, that's uh -huh. right. <laughs> they work really well, especially if they're like older sandwiches. A little stale. Yeah. Well, apparently, uh, allegedly, uh, two guys, very big, muscular, uh, you know, like rip you from arm to arm uh, guys, uh, attacked him, allegedly. And uh, the only thing he had for a weapon was his sub sandwich. Uh, and it and worked perfectly. Apparently it worked. Uh, allegedly. I don't think yeah. you have to say allegedly anymore. <laughs> well, well, I'm going to... White face lie. How about that? I'm, I've been, uh, I've been af uh, after several uh, holster makers to make me a holster for my uh, sub sandwich. <laughs> so that if I ever get accosted by uh, a couple of bad guys, I can just whack them over the head with this. And the beauty of it is... He still had the sandwich when he got home and he was able to eat it for dinner. I mean, that's a hell of a sandwich. And the noose was still around his neck too, oddly enough. Well, you he know, when you're hungry, off. Well, when you're hungry, you don't you don't bother taking those things off. You, you I guess so. Go right for that sandwich, boy. Oh boy. I bet you could get a subway deal if you uh, you actually did that. I think you'd get the get a sponsorship. Yeah, uh, maybe we should uh, shoot for that, Brian, and we get some sub sandwiches. Uh, anyway, up in New York, Rebecca Fisher was, uh, uh, she's with the New Yorkers Against Gun Violence, says it, that when these uh, uh, law enforcement people got together to talk about the murder rate and violence, that it was inappropriate of the police commissioners to bring up what she called unfounded claims about bail reform. You'll recall that uh, they literally have changed uh, their system there so that it's a revolving door. Uh, one guy got arrested, I think, two or three times in one day for com committing robberies. Um, it, it, but she thought it was just unfair to bring up bail reform uh, and, and uh, you know, defunding law enforcement. Uh, and then went on to concentrate solely on guns, ignoring the stabbings and other beatings that were happening in other ways that people were being killed. Uh, but they just have a, a burning desire to destroy guns. And it is, it just, it never ceases to amaze me how much they hate firearms. And I, is it just ignorance? Is it just stupidity? Can they not see what's wrong with their arguments? I, I think it, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, I think a lot of it, it's the easiest thing to point blame at. Yeah. It's the inanimate object in the situation. It's not, you know, the individual um, responsibility. Really oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Hi. It's not the, um, you know, the whole mental illness aspect. It's not the individuals, you know, how they were raised or not raised or, you know, their home life or whatever. It's the easiest thing to say, well, that's the problem. Yeah, it's like we always say, you know, to blame the gun for gun violence is like blaming the fork uh, for obesity. Um, it's, <laughs> or a car for a drunk driver. Yeah, which, of course, New York has tried to do with their uh, regulations limits. on their soda limits. So, <laughs> yeah, you're talking, you're coming from the same... Same thought process. Really is amazing. All right. Here's Robert Francis, a.k.a. Beto O'Rourke. He is upset because now down in Texas, you have the same permitless carry kind of legislation that passed that we have in Missouri. This concealed carry deal where um, or, or open carry where, where you will no longer have to go through a meaningful background check or any kind of training or certification, which is a standard today in Texas, um, and which gives Texas an opportunity to lead the rest of the country, this, this proud gun-owning state, on the responsibilities and obligations of uh, gun ownership. Uh, you know, we, we, we lose that pride of place, and what we do is we make this a much more dangerous state. Four of the worst mass shootings 
in United States history have taken place in Texas, Sutherland Springs, Santa Fe High School, Midland, Odessa, and of course, in 2019, El Paso, Texas. So this is just the first part of this. We'll continue this later. But in Texas, they had all the you know concealed carry classes, the concealed carry permits, and all the, the background checks. All of that when these shootings happened. And he's now saying, well, permitless carry will make it violent. It's, it's, I mean, what the hell does he want? He's got everything he wants, and those shootings happen. It's not the guns. It's not the process. It's the people. All right, we're going to come back, finish this up, talk about some firearms from Powderhorn Guns and Archery. <laughs> I, I almost came out of my mouth. I'm Gary on Guns. Hot Dog 93.9 Eagle.